Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a documentary filmmaker finds the timing of events unfolding in Iran and Israel to be most prophetic. So on one side you have this prophetic pulse coming from Israel, from Jerusalem, from you know the returning of inheritance, from the reestablishment of a long-gone state that in fulfillment of prophecy, you have all of these things happening on one side. On the other side, you have 40 years that go by and a, day, a year of judgment is arriving and you have suddenly this trigger that is going to start everything and that is the sanctions that are reimposed and when are they reimposed on the november 4th on the same day that the american embassy was taken hostage this podcast is brought to you by my good friends at paranormal contractors Maybe you have a problem and you don't feel comfortable discussing it with friends or coworkers. There's something going on in your home or business and you can't explain. Maybe it's, dare I say, something paranormal. This is no time to be dealing with amateur ghost hunters. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. They use the latest technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan is standing by with some fascinating observations about Iran 40 years after the Islamic Revolution that installed theocratic rule in that country of nearly 100 million people. Now, I hope you enjoyed Coast to Coast AM this past weekend. Both of my guests, Saturday night into Sunday morning, Robert W. Sullivan IV and Maria Wheatley, of course, were recent guests right here on Conspiracy Unlimited. And just a reminder, I'll be back hosting Coast next Saturday, March the 9th, so mark that down on your calendar. February 11th, 2019, marked the 40th year of the Iranian Islamic Revolution. Does it mean anything? Is there any significance? Well, Ali Siadatan, who was born in Iran and came to Canada after the revolution, has discovered some interesting synchronicities having to do with the dates of the anniversary of the revolution, the upcoming anniversary of the Iranian hostage crisis, and the timing of the imposition of tough economic sanctions by the United States. Ali suspects all of these things may be prophetic. Ali Siadatan is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge which is making the Bible more real than ever. 
Seattatan has found evidence, keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale, from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. In 2006, Think Again Productions released the groundbreaking documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods on Google Video. It received 270,000 views in just nine months. In 1996, Seattle completed a master's degree in French language and literature at the University of Toronto. In September of 99, he answered a call and opened a center to minister to urbanites through martial and healing arts as well as spiritual studies for seekers. His research into UFOs has inspired him to write a work of fiction in progress, as well as a second documentary on the rise of the Antichrist titled Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. Ali Siadatan, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Fine. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me again. Normally, we discuss ancient alien theory. We talk about whether or not ancient civilizations were actually given a, a kickstart by fallen angels, uh, which is, of course, all documented in your film, UFOs, Angels, and Gods. Yes, and people can see it on our website, thinkagainproductions.com. But today, we're going to talk about something a little different because you are Persian. You were born in Iran. And... Yes. Um, a lot of things going on in Iran right now, of course, and you have drawn some very interesting connections. But I want to start with your most recent visit to Iran back in 2018, in the summer of 2018. Uh, just give me a, paint me a picture of what things were like on the ground there in light of the reimposition of, of, of heavy sanctions. Well, after, you know, having gone through the whole deal with President Obama leading to the uh, conclusion uh, and an accord, you know, after years of ratchet up sanctions, to again fall back into that when there was a promise of now the economy can take off because the world can invest again in the country, uh, people find themselves once again in this predicament has really taken its toll on people's hearts and minds. And for the first time uh, since the beginning of the revolution, there really is a divide between uh, the people and the government in the sense that the people are just minding their own business and looking out for themselves and the government is looking out for itself and the people are kind of waiting to see, well, how will all this pan out um, and letting the government, uh, you know, do its own thing. But you really feel there's a divide as though there's a hold that every government has over its people. That hold is a little bit loosened because... There's a fatigue uh, with all that has happened since the revolution. So that was a, something distinct, this, this shift in energy uh, that I saw. And, and what about among the leaders, the, the mullahs, the ruling mullahs? I believe there are 10 of them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. And then you have the supreme leader, of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there, any, is there any schism there? Is there any possibility that they'll have a falling out? Oh, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's lots of schisms uh, in there. Uh, it's not a monolithic uh, system. It's a system of alliances. Um, one of the most powerful, you know, players in the system is called the Revolutionary Guard. The system wasn't designed from the beginning to, that they would be so powerful, but through a series of, of events over the past, you know, 15 years, they have grown to become extremely powerful. Uh, as far as the clerics turning against uh, the supreme leader, um, well, no, I mean, that's very hard to tell. Their power depends on him 
remaining and, and keeping his seat of power. Um, but definitely there's a schism uh, and point of view. And the main schism is around this. Uh, should religion continue to define the government's position on foreign policy and on internal decisions, or should there be really a separation of, so to speak, mosque and state? That has become the main issue, uh, and that's a very important thing that that's coming to the surface and being talked about. It's uh, it's very, very important, actually. Uh, so that's where the schism is actually happening. It's reimagining what an Islamic republic could be. Um, so the supreme leader is saying, oh, no, that would be secularism. That's what the West has. And then the other side is saying, yes, but there's a very narrow definition of Islamic thought that is applying to the foreign policies of the government and Islamic Persian thought is bigger and wider than that narrow scope. So why don't we just separate the two so both can breathe? And and we often see uh, footage from Iran or, or, or news uh, segments from Iran and everyone's, you know, seen burning the U.S. flag, shouting death to America. How do most Iranians feel about America? Um, you know, that, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I would say that uh, the number of people that are that vehemently, uh, you know, opposed um, is, is a minority, 100%. Um, the, the, um, uh, the idea, you know, people will tell you, oh, well, we're not against the American people, we're against the American government and its imperialistic policies, etc., that there's a minority that that feels that strongly, you know, uh, about about America. Um, most people just want to live and let live and have kind of a middle class life where they have savings and they go on a trip once a year and and uh, they, they see themselves because I think of the internet and of satellite television more as as just a global citizens of a metropolis because Iran has many many metropolises now. Uh, you know, it's a country of 80 million people with many large cities, and, and the citizens of these cities just wants to live uh, like the citizens of, of people, you know, all around the world. But the Iranian-Persian thing is a very kind of complicated, multi-layered uh, reality uh, uh, that goes back for, for, for decades. Now, we just passed on February the 11th, the 40th year of the Iranian Islamic Revolution, uh, what does that? What does it mean? Anything? Is it significant? I think it is. Um, you know, I tend to view things through a biblical lens, and uh, forty is a very important number in the Bible. It often declares the end of an epoch and the beginning of the next. And here's some examples. Uh, it's a time that it takes to raise a generation. Uh, like, for instance, you know, the one generation will wander into the desert for 40 years, uh, God declares over the children of Israel when they leave, you know, uh, Egypt. Um, and then once they die, their children will inherit the land. Um, all of these guys, Eli, Saul, David, Solomon, they each ruled for 40 years. Uh, David defeats Goliath after 40 days and nights of taunting. The three stages of Moses' life are divided into three 40-year periods. Forty days of rain buried the old world under a flood. Um, and I'm sure the list goes on. These are just a few things I pulled out to kind of illustrate that it is the end of an epoch and the beginning of the next. Uh, so 
you know, if applying to this, this revolution happened 40 years ago, this February, could we possibly be on the verge of some sort of a shift, uh, you know, biblically speaking? Now, people have been taking to the streets over the last couple of years in, in Iran. Is that perhaps a sign of, of uh, a ch- this, you know, this new epoch? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, in 2009, there were major um, uh, uh, protests uh, where millions of people came into the street, and uh, you really felt the seat of power uh, uh, shake in Iran. Uh, many people say that actually that is what inspired the Arab Spring, you know, the Iranian protests of 2009. Um, ironically, at that time, uh, Obama was writing letters to the supreme leader of Iran and inviting him to uh, negotiate with the United States some sort of an agreement. And so he didn't jump on board and, and, and speak out for these democratic protests because he was actually trying to make, make friends with the leaders of Iran. It took some time uh, for the White House to declare its support. And that actually you know, weakened the, uh, the protesters. So the leaders of that protest were arrested and jailed and many of them fled the country. Um, there are protests as we see today, however, they don't have a leader, meaning that they come and they, they, they speak, they vent, and then the next day just have to take a shower, put their clothes on and, and go to work, or they won't be, have food at night to eat because the economy is such that people are just, uh, many people are, are, are have to work you know, two jobs, three jobs to, to pay their bills. They don't have time, essentially, and they don't have leadership. There's no one whose billboard goes up next to Supreme Leader and people are told, hey, you can use choose this guy or this guy. Over the years, the, those other guys have been imprisoned, killed, or exiled. And so the people are leaderless. And so that's kind of part of the enigma of how exactly will this shift happen? And when people in the country think about it, at this point, I mean, it's changing daily. It's, there's a lot going on right now. But at this point, it seems as though there would be more of a, a revolving chair uh, within within the people that are already in power. Uh, as the Iranians like to say, they'll change the showcase. But, you know, it's like when you walk on the street and they change the showcase where the clothes are hanging. You know, the, the, the glass, they will change, but the content may not change as much as one may imagine, you know, from the West. Right. But these sanctions that, that uh, President Trump put in action, uh, are, are the average Iranian, are they feeling, feeling those sanctions? Yes, very much so, yes. Uh, meat has become so expensive that... Uh, Yes, entire portions of the population, like we're talking within the last, you know, week and a half, like things are changing week to week. Um, They can't, you know, buy meat, uh, uh, the food of of any kind has become very, very expensive. Uh, And I mean, there's so many things happening, for instance, because of the fact that the currency has become so cheap, um, the neighboring countries are now eager to import Iranian livestock. And the guys who raise the livestock are making more money exporting it clandestinely rather than selling it to the people. And that's that's contributing to the shortage of meat. So there's a lot going on. It's it's put it's put corruption into high gear. It's put uh, it's put a lot of financial. Yes, people are in short uh, in every aspect of Iranian society is feeling it right now. Yes. 
For the last month, I've been telling you about the changes in my health and in my life as a result of making Life Change Tea a part of my daily routine. Now, I can't imagine starting my day without a cold, refreshing glass of this amazing caffeine-free herbal tea. Not only do I have more energy, I've even dropped a few pounds here and there. Not that I'm really trying, but I could stand to lose a few. Here's the other thing. My family have noticed that dad is no longer a grumpy bear. It's true, my mood has lightened considerably. I feel really good, like I've been cleansed from the inside out. And that's what Life Change Tea does. It helps your body to get rid of all of those nasty toxins and impurities that make us feel listless and a little down. Want to start discovering for yourself all of the wonderful benefits of Life Change Tea? Well, you can't find it at any store. So, order it online at getthetea.com and use the code word UNLIMITED and your first order ships for free. Not for nothing is it called Life Change Tea, folks. Order Life Change Tea at getthetea.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Persian documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan is here discussing the divine timing of events unfolding in his native Iran. I want to talk about the timing of the sanctions uh, because uh, you, you, you've written that there is a, a connection between the implementation of the uh, the sanctions that Trump uh, put in after pulling out of the Iran deal, after he was elected, he pulled out of the Iran deal. There's a connection between the implementation of the sanctions and another 40th anniversary that's coming up this year in November. Yes, there's absolutely a very interesting connection. Uh, after Obama and Kerry and all these guys, you know, spent all these years negotiating this deal, they had a hard time selling it to the Republican Congress. So Obama said, okay, you know what? Let's make a compromise. We'll put in the agreement that every six months, the president of the United States, whoever he may be, has the right to pull America out of this deal. This will be, you know, uh, the safeguard. Congress ag agrees to this but knowing that within six months, you know, uh, America could leave if they wanted to. And Congress agreed to the compromise and said, okay, we know we will then let this go through. Um, so then president change and this Republican candidate, Donald Trump becomes a president. And you know, he says from the beginning that he's going to pull out, pull out, pull out. Finally, he does. Um, uh, after he negotiates with Korea or he begins negotiating with Korea, he turns to Iran, he pulls out, and then he goes on the news, and it's the day that uh, the six-month uh, pattern, every six months he has to say whether he stays or not, and that day had arrived. And so he gets on the microphone, he says, you know what, I actually I am going to pull out. And furthermore, starting today, I am going to give the Iranian government 180 days to come to the negotiation table or else. In other words, to re renegotiate this Iran deal, which was to initially designed to prevent Iran from, from advancing its nuclear program. Right. And uh, the fear was that they were going, they were just, they were 
they were they were developing an uh, an atomic weapon. Yes, and that this would plunge the Middle East into a nuclear arms race between the Sunnis and the Shias, and that's all the Middle East needed was now nukes. Um, so uh, that was the whole idea, and you know Saudi Arabia ratcheted up its oil production uh, in order to replace Iranian oil that would be taken off the market because Obama said, you know, this is after the Bush years. I'm trying to rebuild the economy, and if I put sanctions on Iran, the price of oil will rise and the American economy will sink. So Saudi Arabia said, no problem. We'll ratchet up the oil production to replace what your, Iran is taking off the market, and you can go ahead and negotiate with them because we are interested in these negotiations as well. But once the deal was came through, neither the uh, Jews nor the Arabs were happy with it, and that's why today the Jews and Arabs, for the first time in the history of, of the last 70 years uh, uh, since the creation of Israel, the Jews and Arabs, have agreed to stand together against Iran. Right now, America, the Sunni world, and Israel are united against Iran. This has never happened. In This alignment is unique in the history of uh, the last seven years and the history of the last 40 years of the Iranian regime. So this is a very special alignment um, that has happened. So this time, Trump says, I'll give you 180 days to come and renegotiate this deal uh, that Obama signed, or else I am going to place on you, on Iran, the full strength of sanctions that took Obama eight years. Obama ratcheted up the sanctions gradually over the period of eight years. Trump said, I'm going to go to the max, to the last sanctions he put on Iran, the fully ratcheted up version of it. I'm going to bring that on you guys in a single day. And that'll be on the 180th, 80th day, starting the clock starts ticking today, that I'm making this declaration. You 180 days, come to the negotiation table or else be plunged into these uh, extreme sanctions. It just so happens that 180 days from his declaration fell on November 4th. So, uh, November 4th uh, of 2018. That naturally, that's where it fell. And, and he didn't calculate, he didn't decide that because, you know, the president had to uh, pull out or stay in this deal every six months. The president had to declare himself about this matter uh, based on what Obama and the Congress had negotiated with each other. And so it just so happens that that day is a very important day in the Iranian calendar because. In, on November 4th, 1979, um, uh, the uh, 39 pri years prior to the November 4th that just passed, the supreme leader of Iran, this uh, revolutionary zealot Islamic leader who essentially created a second revolution in the middle of the revolution of Iran, his political party took over the entire revolution, beheaded all the leaders, and, 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 you know, they created a, a hijacked revolution, basically. And so this guy, on November 4th, 1979, orders that the American embassy, uh, a sovereign soil of the United States of America, um, be invaded. And uh, Iranian students storm into the embassy and they take hostages. And this is the, the hostage crisis. So it happened on November 4th. And every year in Iran, to this day, in Tehran, on November 4th, there's massive demonstrations in front of the American embassy where people are brought by the regime, people who support the regime gather and remember 
this very important event where Iran stood up, you know, against the United States and seized the embassy. So the fact that these two dates coincide is very interesting. Um, on August 28th, um, at the Hague Court of Justice, Iran uh, in last August took America to the Hague, and and you know um, accused America of having breached a friendship agreement signed in the 1950s between Iran and America, that these sanctions hurt the people so much that it breached that agreement. And in his closing arguments, the Iranian um, uh, lawyer said the following. He said, um, so the international law advisors, the president of Iran, Mohsen Mohebi, speaking for Iran in the third round of hearings against U.S. sanctions, said, there were 52 U.S. diplomats in Tehran under a certain particular situation, but now we are speaking about 80 million people in Iran. He added that time is running out for Tehran as the country gives away under the burden of new sanctions imposed by the U.S. So what happened is that even... Even you know this lawyer could see the connection that on the very day that the Iranian embassy, the Iranians took over the American embassy, on that very day these sanctions are falling on the Iranian people. That itself is very eerie, and people in Iran, you know, who don't necessarily sit and think about these things from a biblical point of view, naturally go, "Wow, this is really eerie." that these two dates are coinciding. Right, now just let's back up a minute because some people may not be familiar uh, with the the American hostage uh, crisis, which lasted, it just was interminable uh, during the the Jimmy Carter, Carter presidency. Yes. Um, and and uh, how long were they in captivity? This is interesting. They were in captivity for 444 days. There's that four the, again. <laughs> yes, from November 4th. 1979 to January 20th, 1981. And what's interesting is that um, Jimmy Carter tried his best to free these uh, guys, and he couldn't. And so uh, Ronald Reagan, who was the candidate of the Republican Party, he made a backdoor deal. The October surprise. Yes. He made a backdoor deal with Khomeini, and he said, look, don't free them during Carter's presidency. I'll use that as a weakness you know, to win the election. When I win the election, you will free them. And in return, Khomeini said, okay, what I want is the oil embargo to be lifted that has been imposed on Iran, and I want weapons to be delivered to Iran um, because, you know, the war was beginning with Saddam Hussein, which uh, was actually being encouraged, uh, now we know, by the United States to attack. And so um, this was interesting. He made the deal. On the night that Reagan was made president, before the morning arrived, um, the Khomeini freed the hostages. They were, they were freed in the middle of the night after Reagan was inaugurated into the presidency, and the embargo was removed and the weapons were given. Later on, this came out, um, and, and uh, this was called the Iran-Contra affair. Right, and because it was illegal. To, there was an, um, an arms embargo. You couldn't just give Iran uh, missiles. Uh, so they had to go through sort of back channels, and it involved uh, involved the um, the Contra rebels in Central America. It was kind of a three way trade, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. And and so then you know all the people that were involved in this whole thing um, were uh, eventually arrested in the, in the United States and, and brought to um, 
to to court, uh, and by the time they got to court, um, the government had changed, and Bush was now president of the United States, and all of these guys were pardoned. Uh, and you know who pardoned them? No, who was the I attorney don't general <laughs> under Bush? Who pardoned all these guys? Oh, His oh, name was William Barr. The yes, the current uh, nominee the for the just, uh, yes. This idea of you know cycles and patterns. So we're back inside of this interesting conflict between you know the Republican Party and the and the Iranian government. Uh, you know, forty years after these events, uh, with sanctions that are imposed on the same day. Uh, that that you know uh, created a deal between the leader of Iran and the Republicans of, of 40 years ago, and William Barr, who was the guy who pardoned these guys, is back on the stage as Attorney General. So, anyways, but to come back to to your question um, about the what happened, so the the embargo was removed, the weapons were given, uh, Reagan uh, won the presidency, Carter lost. And, but at the end of the day, with hindsight, the most important outcome of this event was that the Khomeini was sealed into power. He was the man of the hour. He was the one who was able to negotiate with the president of the United States. He was the one who was able to remove the oil embargo. He was the one who made weapons flow into the country at a time where an enemy was arriving. And he was the one who was successful at attacking the embassy of the United States, seizing it, holding it, and to this day, the Iranian government holds that embassy. Well, this is and interesting because, as as you pointed out, and this is something I wasn't, I had forgotten about, I guess, when the original, the revolution that started, you know, the, to get rid of the uh, the Shah of Iran, yeah. it yeah. wasn't intended to be an Islamic revolution necessarily, but just like the Russian revolution was co-opted by by the Bolsheviks, the Iranian revolution was co-opted by Khomeini and the, the Islamic uh, revolutionaries. Yeah, that's very much so. Uh, the, the, there was, you know, uh, there was a lot of Islamic parties, and, and, but there was also communist parties, there was nationalist parties, there was capitalist parties. Uh, the nationalists were secular, um, there was a even an Islamic Communist Party that com that combined communism and Islam, and the idea was that all of these parties would come together and have a seat in the parliament, have their voices heard, and Islam would be the backdrop, like you know Judeo-Christianity is the backdrop of Western democracy. But in the middle of all of this, um, this elder who was a cleric who had a lot of followers came in and he said, you know what? This is a time of transition. I will be a stabilizing figure. Uh, I'm a patriarch. This country respects me as an important clergyman, as, as an elder. Why don't I just kind of be the voice of stability and help, you know, make sure everyone's getting along and, and help the transition of the country? And everyone thought, oh, well, great, do that. But then six months into it, everyone got together and they said, you know, we're having a disagreement. He said, well, come to my office. I'll help you guys out. And when they came to his office, he simply put a book on the table called Islamic Government. He said, you know, guys, this will be the basis of the government. This is how it's going to be set up. Forget all of your ideas. And and, and then he had many of the guys killed. And he, then there was a kind of an Islamic police unleashed in the country. The American embassy was taken. And a whole thing suddenly shifted. And then this event and this deal with the Republican Party through Reagan sealed him into power. And on the very day that this important event occurred, 
Trump imposed these sanctions by route, meaning he hadn't planned that it would fall on this date. It just so happened. And so there seems to be a connection. Is it that the uh, you know the most high is is wants the republican party that put these guys sealed this into place is it now their burden to now undo what they put into place and and things have shifted you know before it was the iranians uh who negotiated in secret with a republican candidate this time the president is republican maybe someone inside the country has to secretly now negotiate with, like the reverse is happening perhaps. We'll have to see. But it's interesting that these two dates coincide. Yes. Well, and all of this is going on just a year after uh, Israel uh, celebrated its 70th year of rebirth in uh, 1948. So last year was the 70th year of the state of Israel, the year of Jubilee. Uh, How does that figure into all of this? Yes, yes, it was, you're right, it was both of these things. It was the 70th year and the 50th year since Jerusalem has been restored, uh, which is the year of Jubilee. So let me just kind of break these two things down. Uh, the se- 70 is a very important number, again, biblically speaking. You know, God created uh, everything in six days, uh, and then on the seventh day he rested. That became the basis of time. So you got the six days of the week, um, and then the day of rest, so the seven days of the week. Seven is is a pattern of number that exists throughout the whole Bible. Um, There's so many passages that I could allude to where God divides the administration of his will around sevens and seventies and seven weeks. Um, And so the um, uh, 70th year is even the 70th year in a person's life is important. Seven times ten. Ten is usually the number of accomplishment. Things are done. And so 70 is a very strong number. It just means that an entire season has now been spoken and the beginning of a new season is upon us. And, and so 70 years of Israel, that's important. Now, what happened um, 50 years ago um, in 1967, Israel, Jerusalem uh, was captured uh, by the state of Israel, by the Jewish people. And this was important because Jerusalem is a city that um, has a lot of things spoken about it in the Bible. You know, the Messiah is to rule the earth out of the city of Jerusalem. And prophetically, there's a lot of things that involve the city of Jerusalem leading to what many believe would be the second coming of Christ. And, and, And so Jerusalem is taken from the Jews in 70 AD by the Romans, and then it goes through a succession of imperial masters. You know, the Romans have it, then the Muslims take it, and they hang on to it uh, until, you know, 1917, and then the uh, British take it. And then uh, there is the Balfour Declaration of 1917 that says, you know what, there should be some sort of a Jewish homeland here. And then in 1967, finally, from the British you know, to Muslims, to all of these hands, it eventually comes back to the Jews during the Six-Day War. Right, they take it from Jordan. They take it from Jordan, and that was exactly 1967. Then 50 years go by, and we get to 2017, and the, God often speaks through the leaders of uh, nations, you know. And regardless, everyone is, is flawed, whatever. God has his own way with people. You know, the, the hearts of leaders are like rivers in his hands, and he stirs them as he pleases, you know, Solomon says. Uh, and so the, um, 
president of the most important, most powerful country in the world gets up and says, you know what, this is the capital of the Jewish people. And so 50 years after 1967, 50 years after this becomes, again, part of the Jewish commonwealth, after 1900 years of, you know, absence from that uh, connection, the president of the United States gets up and says, this is the inheritance of the Jewish people. And it has been returned to them and is theirs. And so why is that important? Because 50 is the year of Jubilee in the Bible, which means it's the year where debts are forgiven and inheritance that has been lost is returned to people. So if you had to have debt to me, and I said, okay, well, Richard, your farm is now mine, you, your children, your wife, all of you guys will now be my servants because you couldn't pay your debt. And suddenly the 50th year comes in the Jewish calendar, it's counted, and then bang, the debts are forgiven, your land becomes yours again, and, and I have to pull out. Every 50 years, God resets the debt calendar, and this is called the year of Jubilee. And so 50 years after 1967, when the state of Israel you know, takes Jerusalem and uh, Jerusalem becomes part of the commonwealth of the Jewish people again, 50 years after that event, the president of the night says, declares Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and it really has that feeling that, oh, this is the year of Jubilee, 50 years have gone by, and the inheritance of these people has been returned to them. And so it's the 70th year of the state of Israel, which many feel that, you know, uh, people who pay attention to biblical prophecy feel that there is a prophetic hand that has brought these people back to this land. And so 70 years after uh, the beginning of, of the return of, the, of this uh, people to this land, 50 years after uh, the giving back of Jerusalem, the year of Jubilee, the, the year that declares the return of inheritance, all of these things just occurred on the same, around the same time that we start to enter into uh, the revoking of these sanctions, uh, of this nuclear deal, sorry, the imposition of these sanctions, um, uh, and the fact that this is the 40th year on the Iran of the Iran revolution on the other side of fence, um, and, and 40 is a time of the changing of epoch. So on one side you have this prophetic pulse coming from Israel, from Jerusalem, from you know the returning of inheritance, from the reestablishment of a long-gone state that in fulfillment of prophecy, you have all of these things happening on one side. On the other side, you have 40 years that go by and a, a year of judgment is arriving and you have suddenly this trigger that, 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 that is going to start everything and that is the sanctions that are reimposed. And when are they reimposed? on the November 4th, on the same day that the American embassy was taken hostage. Um, and so it's interesting. And then there's this Republican connection, the Republican candidate that negotiated and, and placed the leader of, of the revolution in, as a leader of the country and ushered in kind of a dark period. That would be Reagan. Time. Reagan, that of course. Reagan. An unintended consequence. His job, he wanted to get the, the hostages released, but, but, but in so doing, he gave Khomeini a bargaining chip and, as you say, cemented his place uh, in power. Yeah, so things are kind of full circle. Another Republican character, this time Trump, is the one that now has to, in the 40th year, has to deal with this. And the fact that despite himself, the sanctions were imposed on November 4th, which coincided with it. So there's a lot of, I mean, can we say it's all just coincidence? The 17th year, the 50th year, the 40th year, the November 4th connection, the Republican connection. 
all the even William Barr is back on the scene who who, and, who pardoned and, all of these. And guys. as you say, Trump, by recognizing Israel or as recognizing Jerusalem finally as the capital of of Israel, perhaps Trump then also is ushering in this jubilee year. Exactly. And so, what is jubilee? Jubilee is about returning of inheritance. Are we to assume that now there's going to be a little bit of the returning of the inheritance of the Iranian people? Are, are people in Iran going to regain some more control and say over their own system? Um, is this some sort of the compromise that may have to happen in order for elements of the power structure to continue to reign? Um, we will have to see. Uh, as I said, it's very, very confusing as to who and what kind of change could come because the system is so utterly rudder, rudderless. There is no, no one at the helm other than the guys that are at the helm. They have been very, very good at, at, at you know, making sure that all their competition has. So it's very difficult to understand. I mean, I could tell you what the theories are right now in the Iranian communities, you know, opposition leadership. I could tell you what ideas are being thrown around as to how this could go. Um, but I can tell you that no one really knows because there is no competition to them that can rise and say, hey, we'll, we'll be the next week. It doesn't exist. So it's very interesting to see. But there is a time of upheaval, and I'm just suggesting that all of this kind of biblical backdrop may inform us that, in fact, something important is happening at a season that is ordained by the Most High and all of these uh, you know, coincidences and numbers and stuff uh, allow us to see into that decision uh, that is perhaps a divine one. Well, it does sound truly prophetic. Uh, so we will have to see, wait and see how it plays out. But this could be the year, if it is prophetic and it is going according to God's math, uh, we are in the 40th year uh, of the revolution and... Uh, uh, and the year of Jubilee. Has and the year done. of Jubilee. And so we will yes. see whether we are arriving at a new epoch. Exactly. Ali, give us a website. Well, my website is thinkingandproductions.com. You won't find any of this information on there because this is just an idea that came to me recently as I'm pondering these things. But you can see my documentary. You can sign up for my newsletter. And you can sign up for my YouTube channel. There's a lot of new stuff coming out. We're producing it as we speak, so you, you're going to be happy. Uh, and you can also donate if you want to do that. We have a donation button, button up set up, and you can support our, our ministry through donations if you wish. Ali, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for having me. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's coming up Wednesday on Conspiracy Unlimited. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber, $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me, and all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. Since YouTube demonetized my channel, I need your support more than ever. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com 
forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, a friend of Michael Jackson's responds to child sex abuse allegations made against the late king of pop in the new documentary, Leaving Neverland. I have my guest room at this time, but Michael prefer that I sleep with him in one bed. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.